Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Have you got vacations planned at all, Shannon? Uh, by the way, Shannon Spake joins us now, as she often does on Wednesdays on this program, getting ready for NASCAR, reacting to the NFL draft. But first, have you planned any vacations for you and your twins? Well, no vacations until we get done with NASCAR, which is the end of June. And then all of my vacations this year are based around Ironman events. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I did a 63-mile bike ride uh, this past Saturday. And I gotta—I can't even explain to you how nice it was to get like a race bib and be around other human beings that weren't wearing masks. What does like, it feel all like to get do a sixty-three mile bike ride the day after? Felt really good. It felt really good. <laughs> but I'm like a masochist when it comes to like that kind of stuff. Like I love doing all those physical things. Uh, I was—I uh, had to work the next day. I was uh, my legs were a little tired. I was a little tired, but overall I felt great because. I got through it, and, and it's all sort of like pushing my body and pushing my mental. The, the hardest part for that 63-mile bike ride for me, honestly, was just like the mental part of it because you get like four hours into being on a bike, and you start to like get bored. You know, you're like, I still have 10 miles left. And as you train for these Ironmans and these long endurance events, you're really sort of training your brain to be uh, focused and, and doing one activity for that long, long of a time. So, but it was great. It was great to have people like, and, and it felt so weird and, and amazing at the same time. When was the last time that you did a sporting event like that? Would it have been February, like March of, of 20? Like when was the last time you did an Ironman event that felt somewhat normal? Well, I, I did Traverse City, which is in the Michigan and the Upper Peninsula. I did that at the end of July of 2019, and that was the last one. Traverse City uh, is I've phenomenal. Done 
Yeah. It's beautiful. It was so amazing. Best swim ever. We were in like the Grand Traverse Bay. You could see straight to the bottom. It was awesome. The the community was amazing. Uh, and then everything shut down. I've done a ton of virtual races, but nothing. This is the first time that I was with other people on a bike course, you know, kind of preparing for a race and, and starting off with everybody. And it was pretty awesome. Uh, NFL draft, obviously, we're still kind of unpacking so things. Uh, but let's hey, wait a start. Are, they, are we still waiting on the first pick, by the way? Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it, it, actually it, picked Trevor. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, I know it was. Uh, it was not a rapid start to the NFL draft. <laughs> uh, but let's start with Aaron Rodgers. Whose side do you find yourself on if forced to choose Aaron Rodgers or the Packers in what feels like it's going to be a fairly substantial standoff? That's a really hard question that I don't I haven't I haven't really thought about it but I find myself leaning towards Aaron Rodgers yeah I do feel like he was sort of like we we followed along with the story with the storyline when Jordan Love was drafted we know that it's been it hasn't always been you know puppy dogs and rainbows there for him for many years and and they're not giving him support in the draft like he he wants Yes, I got a side with Aaron Rodgers. I was actually Todd Furman and I were having this conversation. He was on Race Hub last week, and before we did our, anytime Todd Furman and I are getting ready to do our little hit, most of the times we pre-tape it. We yes. sit there and talk for like fifteen minutes, and my producer's like, "All right, we got to go. All right, we got to go." He's a good and dude. We're there, yeah, we're covering like everything, but we did sort of talk about Aaron Rodgers, and and I, I think he might have brought up like, "Hey, do you see a scenario where he might just." say I'm done and I'm like yeah I do I I could see him doing that I I wouldn't put it past him to say all right I'm done and then we're the Green Bay Packers I think it's a really interesting scenario but then at the same time this could all be smoke and mirrors right I mean he could be putting on like this whole like you just don't know with Aaron Rodgers he seems he's so mysterious in the things that he does and and the motivation behind some of his stuff but I think it's going to be a huge story. It's like June, right? That's when we'll find out. Like June first, second, third. Is that when we might start to find out? Might, might yeah, start I, I think it's going to. Gonna, yeah, I think it's going to likely be after the first of the year when all of the or after the first of the league year, however they classify yeah. it, June first, where you start to have different uh, financial ramifications. I think he's going to end up in Denver. But I do uh-huh. think you're right. Like the, he is in a unique spot. He's already a first ballot NFL Hall of Famer. He's already won a Super Bowl. He's made more money than he can ever spend. Yeah. I understand that at 37, 38 years old, he's unlikely to sit out and then come back. So that might be the trump card that the Packers have. But I think when they made the decision to draft Jordan Love, they had a fundamental miscalculation there that mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers was on the back end of his career. And I do think that spurred him to having maybe the best season of his career. And I don't know that that rift is able to be repaired at this point in time. I also think if you, and this is probably getting a little too deep, but, you know, he doesn't talk to his family. The the breakup with Danica was so sudden, and he was all of a sudden now engaged to somebody else. I don't know if he necessarily holds some of those, like, emotional ties to certain things that he might feel like. You know, I I just feel like I need to stay here because this is where my home is, you know? So I do think that he easily cuts things off, and I I, I think that that he could do that easily. I like Denver, too. I know Mark Schalera tweeted that out right before uh, the draft happened. I think he tweeted that he heard it's like pretty much a done deal. Uh, I, I like that scenario, and I know I listened to the show yesterday where you said that their odds to win the Super Bowl have increased, what did you say, 60 to 1 to 20 to 1? That's, that's, that's right. pretty stout. Yeah, pretty that, stout. That, is, that is pretty stout. And I'm curious what you think about this. 
when guys get to be a certain age and they're still single, you, you mentioned it, so it's got me kind of thinking about it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, oh. I know both of Aaron Rodgers. Is, I don't know Aaron Rodgers at all, but I know uh, Jordan and I know uh, Luke, both really good dudes. They've lived substantial years in Nashville, and I got to know them. Jordan obviously played quarterback at Vanderbilt for football, uh, and his brother Luke still lives here. Seems to be a, just a really good dude. I mean – in other words, they are a quintessentially, it seems to me, fairly normal family. So the idea mm-hmm. that Aaron Rodgers would cut off his parents and his brothers, not be married, not have his own kids, there aren't a lot of examples like that in athletics, right? Like most athletes, by the time they would get to be 37, 38 years old, they may be divorced, but most of them would have kids. Most of them would have some sort of support structure. And I think that makes Aaron Rodgers sort of a unique individual in that respect uh, in in terms of the way that he's living his life. I mean, there aren't that many totally single 37 and 38-year-old guys, period. But to have a job that's that much of a central focus, you compare him, let's say, to Tom Brady, who talks a lot about Giselle and all the kids that he has. Uh, I guess Peyton Manning didn't really have a lot of kids till he was near the end of his career. But I do think that factors in maybe with the psychology of how he responds to a story like this because his Mm -hmm. profession is kind of the essence of what he represents. He doesn't have a family that he's focused on maybe like a lot of people are out there when it comes to work-life balance, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it now that you kind of put it that way. And I'm trying to, like, as you're sort of talking, I'm trying to run down in my brain, like, a list of some athletes that are his age, uh, you know, that aren't married, that don't have all of these things. Tony Stewart is one person in sort of my world in NASCAR. He's now engaged, but he's late 40s and and, and not married. Uh, He's been engaged a couple of times. The only thing I can say, and obviously I don't know anything about his personal life, is just it takes a a, it takes a different type of person to actually be involved with an athlete. And, you know, maybe maybe athletes who don't get married say, well, there's no way that I can fully commit to both things. Right. Yes. I am all I get on that. This. And that would be he a Derek Jeter by, type by. decision. Yeah. Right. I, if I remember correctly, Derek Jeter never got married until basically he was done playing baseball. And yeah. I think the can. idea was I got to be focused on my excellence and I don't want the distraction of a serious relationship or a family. Well, I see it a lot, you know, in racing and, and I mean, even in other sports, right? The number one thing in a lot of these drivers' lives is that car. That's number one, right? It, get that car to go fast, win on Sunday. And in that, and, uh, and if you're married to a man or a woman who's in sports, you have to understand that their primary, that's, that's their love. That's their first love is what they do. And it does take a, a unique balance. So that's the only thing that I can kind of think, but it is a unique situation. Tony Stewart's one guy I can kind of think of in the, in the NASCAR world. Okay, let's go to uh, the NFL draft itself. Did you watch very much on Thursday, Friday, Saturday? I know you talked about covering the NFL draft. I think it was a few years ago, or the NBA draft, sorry. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, I mean, my kids are addicted to it, my two oldest anyway. Uh, The draft itself has become one of the biggest sporting events in the entire country. I was talking about this on the show. I'd probably draft NFL first if I could only talk one sport on the show. College Mm -hmm. football second, and then the NFL draft third, and there'd be a big drop-off after that. Uh, Did you get caught up in all the excitement of a somewhat normal draft? I loved, Shannon, you know, having done a lot of live stand-ups over the years, having fans standing behind the analysts yelling, screaming with signs, uh, sort of uh, supporting their teams. I thought it looked and felt great to be back there with the with the environment that Cleveland created. 
Yeah, all I could think about when I tweeted this out was like one year ago, I was hoarding toilet paper. And now I'm sitting here watching like the NFL draft with human beings there. And uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. I wasn't thrilled the fact that it took 27 minutes to make the first pick because eight o'clock and, and then 830, you know, it's getting it's getting late. Right. Let's 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 move on. Uh, I, I We all knew who was going uh, first overall. I loved like uh, Zach Wilson's like his mom was like like fixing his tie or something. Yes. And, like, Yes. You almost thought she was going to like lick her finger and like wipe his face before he walked out there. Like the moms do. Like I just was like, oh my God, um, have fun in New York. <laughs> uh, I, I watched through Denver and I watched through Denver because I wanted to see uh, Miami. I wanted to see Carolina. And then I was interested to see if anything did happen with Aaron Rodgers with Denver, with the Denver pick. And then I shut it down. But I did watch the, the first. I love like Jalen, like Waddle, like he's going to Miami. He's walking. I mean, just. It was really cool to see. I sometimes have a, I sometimes kind of go back and forth with like us putting these young kids in these like enormous spotlight and putting so much on them before they've sort of made the move to the NFL. But it was fun to watch. Uh, let's go to NASCAR. Um, Tal- uh, we had Talladega, then we had I can't even remember where the race was last week. Where are we headed this Kansas. week? What's your yeah? What's your pick? Okay, so we're in Kansas. Uh, you you last were right week. two weeks ago. You were not right mm-hmm. this past week, but I mean you're not a savant. Uh, how would you assess this? Okay, so Darlington is this weekend, and it's a lot of fun. I'm surprised that you guys aren't doing anything on the show because we've sort of, I think, sort of recruited the entire FS1 um, family to do these throwbacks. Are yeah, you guys we are. dressing up? Yeah, yeah. We're, so I, uh, what are you wearing in your thro- – like it's sports-connected throwbacks, right, on that Friday, I think, is the plan? So we are not doing sports. So so Darlington, they're doing – Darlington's one of the oldest tracks on the circuit. It's one of the toughest. Uh, they call it the track too tough to tame. Uh, you get Darlington stripes down the side of the car because the guys just hit the wall all the time. And a couple of years ago, NASCAR decided to do sort of this theme around Darlington weekend, and we, throw, we do throwback weekend. So we dress up, like, actually from, like, 70s. I think they're doing, like, 90s theme on Friday for the Xfinity race, which I'm good. They, they were talking grunge. I don't know about, like, grunge, but I was, like, raving in the 90s, so I think I'll have to pull out my pacifiers and my, yes. like, glow sticks for, um, for my 90s uh, throwback. Uh, but we're doing some fun stuff. Uh, I think I'm going to do, like, a Farrah Fawcett wig on set on, on Sunday for the pre-race show, and uh, that's why we've got all the FS1 folks. But I, I think they're having you guys do the sports aspect of, of the throwback so they don't have to get you guys dressed up like, I don't know, like the love boat or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, my understanding is we are dressed up uh, in the context of 80s-era stars in sports and so in in particular they wanted us in jerseys and so I'm pretty excited about the like I'm not a jersey guy anybody who listens to this show knows in fact my rule on jerseys in general is you can only wear the jersey (laughs) if somebody is younger like you were younger than them right I think it looks weird for a grown man to be wearing like a 20 year old's jersey you know if you're 55 and you're wearing a 20 year old's jersey I think that looks weird but I have the old school <laughs> Kansas City Royals baby blue Bo Jackson jersey from so back in the day. And those are awesome uniforms for people out there who remember, uh, you know, like basically what Bo Jackson was wearing in his rookie cards back in 1987. Uh, I had all those Bo Jackson rookie cards, the future stars. And in fact, I may talk a little bit about that on the show. I mean, that's one of my Bo Jackson is one of my all time favorite athletes as a kid. 
obviously for both football and and uh, baseball. And if I could pick one guy to have good health, I think Bo Jackson would be the answer uh, because it's just brutal the way that his uh, his career came to a shortened close because of that tackle in the Raiders game. I think it was against the Bengals mm-hmm. uh, and what he would have been capable of still in both baseball and football was off the charts. So that is what I'm wearing to get ready for the throwback uh, weekend. We're wearing those on Friday. I love that. That's really cool. It's a cool story. Do, do you do you make any money off of your baseball cards and your and your you know what? cards? I still have a lot of them, and they have become wildly popular. Uh, the baseball cards have, and I've shown uh-huh. them to my ten year old, who's the one that's the most into kind of cards now. But no, I haven't sold any of them or done anything. Are they with worth them. any? Anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think my cards are worth like tens of thousands of dollars now. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I I kept a lot of them. I mean, and the card market has just been wildly really? hot. Yeah. So uh, now I don't know if these uh, these prices are going to hold out, but I think guys who were stuck at home and are in their 30s and 40s maybe have a little <laughs> bit of disposable income now, and they're like going back in time nostalgia wise, and they couldn't afford to buy, let's say, a Michael Jordan rookie card, that Fleer card, 86, 87, back when they mm-hmm. were kids. And now they've got the money and they're sitting around at home and they got stimulus checks and, you know, you haven't been able to go out to dinner or go on vacations. And it's like, uh, I mean, this is just uh, You're not working, you got to spend yeah. it somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Um, I- did you see the the Bears fans when they picked Justin Fields? By oh, yeah, the way? they're like ready. They're ready. They believe men. Justin Fields is going to – I mean, they were crying, basically. I mean, if you've been going as a Bears fan as long as they have <laughs> oh, with uh, with Jim McMahon memories, uh, I, I can see totally why they uh, why they felt like they needed to exult as they did. So my dad and my stepmom are Chicago. I mean, like Bears, Cubs, everything, right? And so Super Bowl shuffle time, I was – I mean, who wasn't? I took a hiatus from the Miami Dolphins, and I was all in on the Chicago Bears. They were such an iconic Walter, team. Oh, my God. Walter Payton was – I met him one time at a Chicago auto show. I raised my hand. He was on the, the platform sort of like, you know, the stage talking to everybody. I raised my hand to ask a question and asked if I could get my picture taken with him, and he pulled me up on stage, and I got my picture taken with Walter Payton. And, like, Jim McMahon, like the funky QB, I could still recite the Super Bowl shuffle probably from start to finish. I met Jim McMahon at a um, – at a, uh, a golf tournament one time, and I told him that I had been watching him since I was like a little girl. And he's like, yeah, you certainly have grown up, haven't you? And I was like, no! <laughs> that's <laughs> no, a perfect that's Jim McMahon line. That is a perfect that. Jim McMahon line. Yeah, they had so many <laughs> iconic... Not. I mean, like, they had... For people who remember, they made a Refrigerator Perry G.I. Joe that, if I remember correctly, when I was a kid you could send in I, – I think you had to get it out of like a cereal box or something. I don't think they do that anymore. But there used to be giveaways where they would be like something you could mail in uh, to uh, – and I feel like it was a cereal box or so, there was some form or fashion that you had to send something in order to get back your uh, your refrigerator Perry G.I. Joe. But I was like in that age where I'm playing with like G.I. Joes now. Yeah, and uh, and but, but you think about refrigerator Perry was in there. Uh, Ron Richard Rivera, Dent, Dan uh, Mike Singletary. There were just oh, yeah. so many iconic guys. And some guys like Jeff Fisher, for instance, who ends up a coach in the NFL that wasn't necessarily a massively integral part of the 85 Bears in terms of a name that you think of back then, uh, but then goes on to become a head coach. I mean, and just even Mike Ditka. I mean, that's one of the most beloved teams that I can remember oh. in NFL history. 
I will tell you, um, and it's never lost on me what I do for a living and, and the opportunities that I get. And I am the first one to, to fangirl out. And and probably, and, and as I've gotten older and deeper into my career, I allow myself to do stuff. When I met Jason Taylor and I interviewed him, uh, you know, the day that he was getting his uh, Hall of Fame ring, I told him, like, hey, I used to sit right up there and watch you play. I, I waited on you at Outback Steakhouse one time, Jason. Like, I was totally like, this is a full circle moment. When I walked out onto the field at Soldier Field, and got to work a game down there, it was like if little Shannon could see you now kind of moment. And right. uh, and it was really, really special. That is fantastic. Uh, Shannon Spake, we will talk to you hopefully uh, again uh, when? Maybe next maybe next Wednesday. Um, and yeah, uh, break everything down for you. Thank you for hanging out with us. And, oh, uh, pick? Yeah. Pick? What was your Jenny pick? Hamlin. Yes. I'm, going, I'm going Jenny Hamlin this weekend at Darlington. He's been so close so many times. He won there last year. And remember, Darlington was where we restarted last year after the pandemic. Oh, that's and right. We're actually yeah. And then went have- down to Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to have fans in the stands. NASCAR's letting people back into the uh, into the uh, media, like the infield area. So people that work in sports, so they're slowly starting to loosen up some of those restrictions. So it's really a full circle weekend. But Denny Hamlin's my pick this weekend. I think he's going to finally break through and get that first victory. Of the Denny season. Hamlin is the pick of Shannon Spake. Good. I've written that down. I will get that bet in. FanDuel.com slash Clay. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trip of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Redestine tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their Redestine test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com com slash sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be so waiting to see exactly what happens uh with the weather but i talked about this a little bit off the top that i am scheduled to get to play with uh john daly as part of the pro-am down here in birmingham uh and it's been kind of a crazy uh, back and forth throughout this process as you can imagine they didn't do the pro-am last year but, Dub, you are a huge golf fan. What are your anticipations of what playing around with John Daly would be like? Man, you know, everyone has the conversations, at least golfers do. You know, what would your dream foursome be? And John Daly is a popular answer to that question. If you got to play with yourself and three other people, I'd say half the people that have that conversation, John Daly is one of those three other names. So I think that's a really cool opportunity you're, you're about to get to have to play with John Daly. And have you seen a picture of Daly lately? He's rocking this just massive yellow beard lately. I'm, I'm uh, curious to see if he's still got it, that It's going to be crazy. I mean, the weather down in Birmingham, I'm hopeful that it's going to hold off. We're at the, at the event down here. And uh, I'm basically finishing the show and then would be, you know, stepping out to, uh, to, to go play. And then I've got to be down there. And so I'll miss the show tomorrow on Thursday. Uh, but it has the potential to be pretty fantastic. And it's also kind of a nostalgic event, which ties in with what we were just talking about with Shannon Spake, because on Friday on OutKick, we are scheduled to have a sort of throwback show. And they asked us, hey, what jersey do you want to put on, right? Like what jersey would make the most sense uh, from the 1980s, from when I was a kid? And it's an interesting question. And so I sat around for a while before it immediately kind of light bulb moment. I think, I don't know if I'm unique in this, but I think about when I think about sports, I can picture what the baseball cards looked like for the years when I was a kid that was a hardcore sports fan. And let me explain what I mean by that. Like I can think about particular almost snapshots in my mind of really popular baseball cards when I was about the age of, I don't know, seven to about 12. Every year, what the baseball card set looked like was so massive. Like I remember, for instance, this is just off the top of my head, so if I'm wrong, you guys can correct me. But 1986 
was a relatively boring sort of tops color. Uh, it had like the black up at the top where the team's name was inside of it. But 1987 for tops was really wacky. They went with a wood panel background. So like Bo Jackson's rookie card in 1987, if I remember correctly, said future stars. See if, see if I'm right about this dub. And he was wearing that baby blue Kansas City Royals jersey. And there's like this wood panel around him. And then, uh, you know, I'm thinking about like Jose Canseco. They had the rated rookie, they would say, on Donruss. And like Jose Canseco had a ridiculous mustache and he was in the dugout. And I remember how wildly popular that card was. And then there started to be a lot of new ones. Like the upper deck, probably the most iconic baseball card of my youth is Ken Griffey Jr., the number one card in the very first set that Upper Deck ever did in 1989. Uh, and uh, and Upper Deck sort of revolutionized the baseball card business. I remember the Frank Thomas rookie, if I remember correctly, the one that was the most valuable. He was on his knee uh, sort of uh, trying to make a tag. And, uh, and so I start to think through, and then, of course, there's all the basketball and football cards, which were nowhere near as popular as the baseball cards. So when they told us, hey, we're doing a throwback and we want you to think about what your, uh, your uh, situation is going to be. And by the way, let me rethink on the Bo Jackson. There were multiple ones. The blue Fleer Bo Jackson, he was wearing his, uh, if I remember correctly, this is you know, 30 years ago, he was wearing his blue iconic uh, Kansas City Royals jersey. And it was like a baby blue background for Fleer. I believe that was his rookie card with Fleer. For uh, Major League Baseball, it was 19, for, sorry, Tops, which was kind of the, the top of the baseball market at that point. There was Fleer, Donruss, and uh, Tops. For Major League Baseball 1987, I believe Bo Jackson was in the outfield, and they had kind of a multicolored bottom right corner future stars card that was out there for Bo Jackson. All right, Dub, you are looking these up. Am, am I remembering these cards correctly? Can you look up the images? Yeah, the Fleer, I've been I've been basically scrolling through Bo Jackson baseball cards for the past couple of minutes here. Some of these are just absolutely awesome. The yes. Fleer one, you're right, he's got the baby blue Royals jersey. And it's like an, a profile shot, right? Exactly. Like chest up. Exactly yeah. right, with the number 16 Royals. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of these cards out here. There's some, I mean, these are just fantastic. I have no idea what these cards are worth, by the way. But these were, when I was a kid, Bo Jackson, you know, I had the Bo Jackson poster on my wall uh, where he's got, it was one of the greatest, I think, sports photos that's ever been taken. I had Jordan dunking from the free throw line, even though he took off from one step inside, like I imagine a lot of you did. And then I had Bo Jackson with the football pads and then also the baseball bat, like on the back of his shoulders, uh, which I think also became a limited edition baseball card, but it was just absolutely one one of the most iconic photos that's ever been taken, I think, of an athlete. And then I'm looking right now. You just texted me. Yep, that's exactly it. The future stars. I wasn't 100% right, uh, but it's Bo Jackson in the outfield preparing, it looks like, to catch a fly ball. Uh, and the future stars is multicolored in that crazy wood panel. I'm not sure anything is more 1987 than the idea of, hey, let's just make the baseball cards all look like they're wood paneled uh, in that 1987 set. Do you did you have any recollection of these baseball cards at all? Because you went to Auburn, and Bo Jackson is an icon there. Well, the picture you mentioned with the football shoulder pads 
with the baseball bat kind of draped over his shoulders behind yes. his neck. I mean, half of my friends had that exact poster in yeah. their apartment or dorm room or whatever. I mean, that's that still, is by just... the way, kind of a cool poster to have even today. And by the way, I'm a still a big Bo Jackson fan in my home studio. Some of you watch videos and see I have an autographed Bo Jackson picture, which is him spiking the football with his with his image from the original Tecmo Bowl. For those of you out there that are video game fans, Bo Jackson's one of the greatest video game athletes of all time. And so I have an authentically signed Bo Jackson uh, spiking the football in Tecmo Bowl style that's on the wall here. So I still have Bo Jackson up on my wall, uh, even years and years later. Well, he's a living legend. I remember ESPN a handful of years ago did the greatest athletes of all time series and he ended up being number one, greatest athlete ever. So Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think still... I, I think you could make that argument. By the way, speaking of Auburn legends, Charles Barkley also participating in this pro am that I am uh, scheduled to participate in later today down in Birmingham. Bring your helmet. So, yeah, well, he's not in my group. So, uh, but it's a good point that I don't know what time exactly he tees off. It's a, it's a fun group. Nick Saban's playing. Uh, Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner. Kirby Smart. Some of you may listen. And I played with these guys a couple of years ago. Um, so, uh, they're, yeah, that, that's definitely a good advice to, uh, to, to, to be, keep my head on a swivel when Barkley's hitting the ball. And also for anybody who's in the, uh, who's in the crowd, by the way. Um, I'm nervous anytime these pro-ams I've played in a few of them over the years but when they announce your name and you step up to be ready to tee uh, to tee off that's really the shot that I care about like infinitely more right you don't want to whiff you don't want to hit like a screaming line drive directly into the gallery uh, right after they say your name so I'm hoping I know Eddie George well we played golf several times before he's a part of the group as well the new uh, former uh, Tennessee Titan legend Ohio State legend but also Tennessee State football coach so he's a part of our group as well and uh, I kind of hope like a couple of years ago when I did this Kirby Smart Georgia football coach hit an awful tee shot and I was like okay you know, like you don't want everybody to just hit like a, you know, perfect right down the middle shot. And then you come up and just dribble one, you know, 15 yards off to the left or the right. But if somebody else hits a bad one, it makes you uh, get a little bit less nervous. At least that's my hope. Yeah, it'll certainly lighten the load if someone in front of you kind of shanks one off to the right. So it'll take the pressure off for sure. There's no doubt at all about that. Um, all right. Uh, when we come back, we'll dive into all of the world of sports in particular. What do you think? the continuing Aaron Rodgers drama. We're also scheduled to be joined, by the way, by Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee uh, and more. Will Kane scheduled to join us in the third hour of the program. This is an absolute loaded show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of hand-cooked tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their hand-cooked test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Appreciate this guy for getting up early. He is the governor of my home state, Bill Lee. 
even though he is an Auburn Tiger graduate, he has been uh, up to a decent number of University of Tennessee events, among others. Do you get much of a uh, negative blowback, Governor, over the Auburn connection, or are most people willing to forgive it? (laughs) No, I don't get a lot of blowback. You know what? When you become the governor of Tennessee, you love the University of Tennessee, right? And I always have, but uh, no, I don't get blowback. People people love the way we love our schools in the SEC, and uh, the SEC is the best conference in the country. So now I do like to – give other governors a hard time about that it's cool being a southern governor because you get to you get to talk to these guys around the country they all wish they were us yeah right well also you have something in common at least as an auburn grad and that is a hate for the university of alabama which also translates well as a tennessee governor (laughs) yeah and yeah in fact unless you went to auburn or lived in alabama you don't really know what just how bad that is yes uh yeah you're exactly right that's a common that's a common uh thread I think I've asked you this before, but I'll ask you again because I think it was an interesting story. Where were you when the kick six happened? So um, I gave my tickets to my sons. I have two boys. They're twins. And they wanted to go to the game so badly. And so we were at Thanksgiving and all the families there and everything. And uh, I said, boys, if you want to go to the game, I will give you my tickets. So they went. I watched on TV. And you know what? If it were anybody else, I would have had enormous deep regret. But there's nothing that made me happier than my two boys, who both graduated from Auburn, to be able to go to that game. Yeah, you know what? That's that's a great point as being a dad, because I've talked about this quite a bit on the show. I'm coaching Little League Baseball, and one of the best things about having young kids is you get to see the world of sports back through their eyes, and it reminds you of how you know just innocent and pure sports is when you're 8, 9, 10, 11, you know, before you hit puberty, get a little bit more cynical when you think you're going to be a pro athlete, no matter how good or bad you are uh, at a sport, being able to see that sort of back through the kid's eyes again is a pretty cool experience. I know you got to uh, probably experience that over the years as being a dad as well. Yeah, I had a daughter who was uh, a young, you know, um, athlete and track star and this day how old i am but i went to the atlanta olympics for her ninth birthday yeah and 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 going to the olympics is great but watching your kid uh you know living like you say living your life through your kid watching your kids in with with their eyes fully wide open in in settings like that is uh, more enjoyable than doing it yourself what 92 Olympic events did you go to in Atlanta? We, we were in the we went to the gold medal night of track and field. Oh wow! Yeah, so I went to one. You know, I got to go to one thing and one. We drove down there and spent one evening, and it was but it was the gold medal night for track and field. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it couldn't have been any better. So how cool of an environment was that? Because 92, I'm trying to remember who would have been the runners. Was that still Carl Lewis, or had they transitioned from, like, the Carl Lewis and Florence Griffith Joyner era? Yeah, they, there was, they had transitioned from that. I should look it up. Cause you, if Dub, you, watch, you can look up who won while uh, yeah, my uh, yeah, producer yeah. here. Yeah. He can look up who won, and we'll come back to that in a sec. He'll shoot me a text and let me know. But, but, to, take it, but to have your kids, so it was just me and my daughter, and, uh, you know, dressing our American flags and – and you get down there, and the stadium is packed, just massive stadium, packed, and the torch is going, and all, all of the, you know, American flags are in the, the, the 
Star Spangled Banner's playing everything. You've never been so proud to be an American. And then you watch this these world-class athletes and the roar of the crowd of a track and field event when they go around the, the field. You can see the cameras flashing around in a circle. And I mean, I, I will never forget it. And But most importantly, I'll never forget my daughter's face as she watched that unfold. By the way, it's 96 Olympics, by the way, as some people are pointing out, uh, because 92 Olympics was in Barcelona. Atlanta had 96 uh, so, uh, so that, I mean, all the years run together at some point, a lot of people remember the 96 Olympics. You're talking about your, uh, your daughter, you know, kind of experience. What's also wild about that is thinking about, uh, the 96 Olympics was for many people that gymnastics, Carrie Strug sort of sticking the one oh, yeah. uh, vault, I think it was, uh, to win with the 96 Olympic women's team, I think is probably the iconic moment that a lot of people think about uh, when they contemplate exactly uh, exactly what that would look like. Yeah, and then you and then you had the tragic bombing. Yeah, that, of course. Which they, too, which which they, 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 they totally forgot about, you know, and uh, the Richard Jewell, which had the movie that came out, but it took a long time before they found out who exactly was responsible for that, which is, uh, which is crazy too. Yeah. So I just looked up, Carl Lewis won the long jump. Yep. In 1996. Uh, Yeah. And, uh, anyway, yeah, that's great. I'd like to go back again, but I don't think they're doing, I I guess they're doing it in Tokyo, but uh, I don't know what that's going to be like. It's not going to be anything like normal because I don't think they're going to have that many crowds present. I mean, I hope that it can be somewhat normalcy, but in, in July, I think it starts late July. I think it'll be fun to watch on television, but, uh, but I don't think it'll have anywhere near the vibe that the traditional Olympics does. Uh, we're talking well, about let, Yeah, let me just say, I hope that we start having some crowds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to ask you about that. We're talking uh, to Governor Bill Lee, uh, the governor of the state of Tennessee. So let's talk about that for a minute. I was out in downtown Nashville on Saturday, uh, one of the first times I've been out in a long time in the downtown area. And I got to be honest with you, Governor, I looked around, the bands were playing, it was perfect weather, tons of people on the sidewalks. Uh, I was up on a rooftop and it felt for the first time that I've been in downtown Nashville, almost completely 100% normal. And I know you've been instrumental in opening the state of Tennessee back up, but sometimes there's been a disconnect between the state and cities. But for people out there who are wondering, hey, is a city like Nashville open? I know you're uh, obviously uh, the, the state capitals in downtown, so I know you spend a lot of time there. It feels very normal to me. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, so parts of it are normal. I, you're exactly right. I love, <laughs> I love the way downtown looks right now. You, you know, you go down there on Friday night. Go down there on any night, and it's it's starting to not starting to. It feels like Nashville again. You know, the the party buses and the and the the uh, the Live parties music downtown, the whole like thing. The yeah, lines all, to get into bars. I mean, it, it felt one hundred percent normal. It's absolutely great. The difference is that you know buildings are not full of people yet. Uh, companies are not fully back, but there a lot of them are making that change. And then of course conventions that canceled and then had to rebook have booked through in the summer and in the fall. So we don't have the convention traffic that we had, but it's coming back. Some of them are coming back and we're starting to have events, you know, I, I, and, and I'm doing everything I can. I was, I've been on Fox news a couple of times in the last week or so saying, Hey, we're open. We, we'd like you to be here. We want to have, you know, concerts and conventions and parades and proms. And it's time that we're in a new season 
it's time to it's time to move on with a vaccine available to every single person in the state. No waiting lines. No, you know, can walk up to any health department and get vaccines. Then that changes that that changes everything. And from my perspective, it means that people have evaluated their risk and they've made their own personal decisions based on the risk that they see to them. And the government is now. It needs to get out of the way because the, the time for health interventions is over, and and that's where we are as a state. And I'm hoping that that happens in state after state across the country because we need the country to open up, frankly. I agree. Let's talk about sports in particular. So let's start outdoors. Uh, you've got Tennessee Titans Stadium in downtown Nashville. You've got the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Uh, the University of Memphis, let's use as an example, big outdoor stadium there as well. Bristol for the for the Motor Speedway. In your opinion, should outdoor stadiums going forward basically have 100% capacity? I ask that, by the way. We've had several stadiums. The Texas Rangers are 100% capacity. The Braves down in Atlanta are going to 100% capacity. Both outdoor stadiums, state of Georgia, state of Texas. In your mind, should those stadiums in the state of Tennessee be open and available for 100% capacity at this point going forward? Absolutely. I mean, anyone that goes to that event has had an opportunity to either be vaccinated or made the choice to not be vaccinated. And that means that it's now up to individuals to make those kind of decisions. There, no, one, no one's being put at risk that doesn't choose to be put at risk. But, you know, it was one thing back in the day when – you know, if you visited a nursing home, the nursing home residents couldn't, you know, you were putting them at risk. Or if you went somewhere and crowded in a place, you're putting other people at risk. That That's over. So, yes, we should have full capacity at, uh, at, at, at any outdoor stadium. Frankly, I'm hoping the Preds play at full capacity in Bridgestone. We are yeah, that was going to be that was going to be my next question because then you've got the Memphis Grizzlies obviously in the NBA and you've got the Nashville Predators indoors in uh, in downtown Nashville. In your opinion, is it time to consider also allowing full capacity indoor for those venues like the UFC 261 down in Jacksonville in Florida had 15,000 normal totally sold out arena? In your opinion, is it time to also consider that for indoor venues? Yeah, I think it is. And, you know, there's something, there's something we got to remember. We, we all live with some level of risk every single day for a number of different things, right? COVID was new to the scene last year, and it brought a lot of unknown risk. But we now know what the risk is, and we know how to manage that risk. And we don't have a crisis anymore. We don't have a hospitalization or healthcare capacity crisis. We know what it is. We know how it works. We know what the risks are. We know how it spreads. So now we manage that. It's a managed health issue like any other managed health issue that we have. And we don't, we don't make you know, radical adjustments in any other way for a managed health issue. And we shouldn't. I mean, changes were important. We had to do it when it was right to do it. But there's a time for things to snap back, and we're going to have COVID with us for a long time. So we, we can't make decisions based on the fact that someone might get infected. That's going to be true from here on forward. So we, we, should, we should live life, we should open for business, and we should move ahead with what we got. 
What do you think about the idea of mandating vaccines in order to, for instance, go to sporting events? Is that something that you're 100% opposed to? I'm absolutely opposed to that. Like, you know, there's a lot of uh, reasons that people make personal decisions to get a vaccine or not. I hope people get vaccines. It, it creates herd immunity. It, it does all kinds of things. It's been a very important piece, as you can, as we've seen in this country. It has when the when the vaccine came out, it drove numbers down. So. Um, but it's a personal decision that people have to make based on, on risk analysis. Uh, the vaccine was developed in uh, an, an emergency authorization use. We should not require, I do not think vaccine passports, I don't think requiring people to take a, vac- a vaccine uh, is appropriate in any setting. Um, people, people need to make their own choice about that. I think this is a fascinating question for you, and I'm not sure I've asked it before, but it's something that a lot of governors have had to deal with. Sometimes there are different decisions made by larger cities within your states, and then obviously you are the governor of the entire state. How do you balance relationships with mayors in large population centers in your state while also pushing towards what you believe is the right decision for the entire state, whether people are living in a city, suburban area, rural area. Uh, I think that's just a fascinating political dilemma that everybody in your shoes has had to deal with. Yeah, a couple, couple of thoughts about that from my perspective. Um, local, you know, allowing decisions to be made at the local level, whenever, whenever things are closest to the people, when government's closest to the people, that's the best kind of government. And that's the reason that local decision-making is oftentimes, most of the time, it's the right way to do things. Um, but there are times when that, when that doesn't work out so well or it's not, it's not in the best interest of, of the state. And, and that's when you kind of have to uh, work with this dilemma that you're talking about. But for, for me, throughout the pandemic, one of the key things was for us to communicate. So I had calls with what I call the big six mayors. Uh, we have we had 89 counties in our state are kind of run by the state health departments, and then six counties, which include the biggest cities. Those have independent decision making that are separate from the state. That that's true in a whole lot of states. That's how it kind of works. That's why you have Nashville operating differently than the state. And maybe I'm saying you ought to be open, and the mayor not opening, but. We had calls on a regular basis with the big six mayors. We talked about our differences. We communicated. We tried to work together, you know, uh, remembering what you agree upon and working together to, uh, to, to work, you know, in a way that, that is amiable, even if you have disagreements. That's kind of how it ought to work. So I kept a relationship with them throughout. Now, when we disagreed, uh, I was public about it, and I generally would let them know, hey, I'm about to disagree with you publicly. I want to tell you why I am and what I think we ought to be doing uh, just out of respect for those leaders. But, you know, we disagreed sometimes, and I was public about that. And and you, th- that's how you lead people along, right? You can, you can make your voice known and uh, work through it. But it, it's really the way – it's like working together. That's kind of one of the tricks you got to do as a as – a, as a governor we're talking to tennessee governor bill lee when you look forward obviously things are getting much better in terms of a return to normalcy but when you look back one of the things that i would say i think you did well 
is you helped to ensure that a lot of schools were open and uh, and also that a lot of sports were getting played, whether it's high school sports, whether it was college sports all over the state of Tennessee. Governors made different decisions. I've said before on this show, my kids went back to school in August. They are going to finish a full year of in-person learning in a couple of weeks. And I live down the road from where, where you used to live a lot of time. I know you still go out there a lot in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, but it's a remarkable achievement. But still, some kids got left behind. Looking back, knowing now what you know uh, with, you know, like we say, Monday morning quarterback, hindsight being twenty twenty, what do you think you guys got right in Tennessee? What do you wish you had done a little bit better? You know, um, I believed from the very beginning that kids ought to go to school in person. Yeah. Um, and there never was any science I mean, we, we watched this thing all through the summer. So, at, at, you know, the first couple months back in whatever, April, May, when no one knew anything about what was going to happen, we shut down schools. Everybody did. And that was probably the right thing to do because we didn't know what, what kind of risks were coming for our kids. But then the summer went through the summer and we figured out kids don't get this. And when they do, they don't get sick. And so we evaluated that risk and we pushed really hard for schools to open in August. So the, the districts, again, you know, every state's different and every state has different laws. And in our state, the statute gives local decision-making on school opening to the districts. We actually changed that law this year, but the law, well, in an emergency, but the law allows for school districts to make their own decisions. So they had to decide whether they're gonna be open or not. I went out early in August and uh, traveled across the state and said, kids need to be in person, kids need to be in the classroom. There is no evidence that kids are gonna, gonna get sick and die through this process. And it's incredibly important that their education continue. And, and here's the other thing. There's a whole lot of kids that get their nutrition and yeah. their mental health services and their protection from child abuse because teachers are the highest reporter of abuse of children in the country. When kids are sitting out of classrooms, nobody is watching them, the ones that need somebody to, to get an eye on them in the classroom. So besides academics, there's all kinds of reasons why kids ought to be in a classroom. And I pushed hard. We were one of the early states to open. The vast majority of our districts did open, and ultimately, the two biggest districts didn't, and I pushed hard. In the state of the state address this year, I called out the districts that weren't open and said they should really evaluate their decision-making because these kids are struggling. They are, they're, they're experiencing a massive amount of learning loss, and we should, and we should get those schools open. And so I pushed hard. We got them open. All our districts are open, and it's it's very important. Go back. Let's go back to sports for a second. I appreciate all the time here, Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee, talking with us. So high school sports play basically throughout the state of Tennessee. College sports, including as we talked about earlier, the SEC, uh, but also smaller conference schools as well. How gratifying is it now to have gotten those entire seasons in college football, college basketball, paramount sports that matter a lot to many people in the state and also to the nation and have had no ill health effects in the grand scheme of things, both hospitalization for coaches or players to speak of, and to have been able to make that happen when so many people out there were saying there's no way to play sports? 
Yeah, not only were they saying there's no way to play sports. Think about this. When we made the decision to open schools, we had we had health officials say children are going to die and the blood's going to be on your hands. I mean, yeah. there was serious, serious pushback to opening up schools and letting letting kids uh, play football. But, but I'll also say I think the most popular political decision of my entire two and a half years so far was when we announced that we were going to allow high school football in Tennessee. Like that transcended every that transcended every decision I'd made so far. And turns out that was a good one. Um, you know, kids' lives are, are just a whole lot more. It's a whole lot more than just making sure that they don't have any risk to a particular sickness. I mean, this is their high school life, and it's important to them. And athletics is a very important part, and mental health is an important part, and kids' futures is an important part, and the ability for families to come together uh, on Friday nights is very, very important. And you have to you have to have something in the midst of crisis and difficulty to give you hope. There has to be things that people are looking forward to. They, they were dark days. They were scary days. People didn't know what was happening. But you know what? Kids could look forward to practice. They could look forward to a game. Parents could look forward to Friday night. Communities across this state could look forward to, you know, whatever sporting event their kid was going to be in. And, and you and I talked about kids earlier if you think you get joy out of your kids watching something, you also get a tremendous amount of joy watching your kids. Yeah. And, and that happened, and it was important that it happened. Governor Billy, I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate you getting up early for us to come on OutKick here, and thanks for all the work you did to make sports happen and hopefully more and more sports normalcy coming in the days ahead. Keep working on the Preds uh, and, uh, and certainly as well on the Grizz. Indoor crowds would be, uh, I think, probably the next step. Yeah, you know, I, I, I said hope a little bit earlier, and I, I'll just say this. Sports do give people hope. Sports gives you hope in the middle of an otherwise kind of bleak situation. So keep stay, stay pushing it out there, and, uh, and we'll do our part too. Thank you very much. That's Governor Bill Lee, State of Tennessee. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, O-O-O-O-Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? 
Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trip of the trade create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location species salt versus freshwater and more plus it's smooth sailing with fishing bookers simple online payment method you'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local start your angling adventure now with fishing booker visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today fishing booker fishing trips made easy from bbc radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Michelin tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their michelin test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Will Kane. He is with us now. You can follow him on Twitter at Will Kane, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Fox and Friends, Saturday and Sunday morning. Also has the Will Kane podcast. And he is a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. And, well, I got to give you credit. I, I love, you know, lots of fans have opinions on who their team should take in the first round. But you were breaking down who you thought the Cowboys should take in the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth round. How would you assess, you know, now as we come up on, I guess, six days since the uh, the first round of the NFL draft, the Cowboys overall is very defensive heavy draft in general? This may be normal human reaction to the draft, but I start out with disappointment. I didn't like it. I'm like, who are these guys? Clay, you're right. Like, I pay attention to the fourth, fifth, the sixth round. I read Dane Brugler's Beast Draft Guide. I, I read everybody. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. can't tell you I sit here and I watch tape. But what I am is I'm like a computer that, that takes in every piece of draft information and compiles it into my consensus of what I want. And the Cowboys were far away from that. They kept picking guys. I'm like, who? That's like two rounds away when all these other guys that I've fallen in love with for the past few months are available. So I didn't like it. But normal human reaction, I've given myself a couple of days, and now I'm starting to get excited about Chauncey Golston, whoever he yeah. is from Iowa. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
It's funny. I saw I, – I saved this because I thought I would hit you with it. I mean, you might have seen this on Twitter as well. This was the early round Cowboy picks, and I'm going to scroll through uh, and see if I can find. All right, this is Matt Miller, who is NFL draft scout. He said, Cowboys round three versus my board. Pick 75. He ranked him 228. Osa, and I can't even pronounce his full name. Uh, you just mentioned him. Pick 84, Chauncey Golston. He ranked him 242. Pick 99, mm-hmm. Nashawn Wright. He ranked him 315. And I'm reading from his tweet. And I was saving this for you. Could be they're right and I'm wrong, but never had this happen before. So, uh, you know, like it's always interesting. You know, everybody has their own. Uh, the draft is as much art as it is science. But it is interesting to see these immediate reactions from people who spend a lot of time, more than even you or I, spending, uh, you know, sort of looking at the overall draft perspectives. The only thing about that is, and by the way, I like Matt. I think Matt Miller is great. Um, I think the only problem with that is, I saw somebody refer to this, Clay, the industrial draft complex. What happens is everybody starts forming a big board, and then there's groupthink. So yes. does Matt Miller's board look like Dane Brugler's? Does Dane Brugler's look like Daniel Jeremiah's? And what happens is, and all these guys are individually great. I'm not questioning any of them, but if you start looking, you're like, well, I have Nation Wright as a sixth-rounder, but Dane Brugler has him as a second. I must be off. So they yeah, all start right. kind of getting into the same place. And it may just be – it may just be the Cowboys are off on a totally different board, and they're right, and the group industrial draft complex is wrong. That's all I can hope at this point. Well, that's what the Raiders argue every year, and it could be worse. I mean, the Titans, my team, drafted a guy in the fourth round who had been arrested for assault the day before of a woman and didn't know about it, which is kind of vintage so Titans, you know, like uh, just an absolutely absurd and ridiculous situation. All right, the other story, even with the draft going on, that has just taken over everything in the world of sports, and we can't stop talking about it because there's so much interest Aaron Rodgers from your perspective Will do you find yourself allied more with Aaron Rodgers or the Green Bay Packer perspective here where does this story go from here I find myself allied with the Green Bay Packers but let's go through this a couple different ways I remember when I was on ESPN I feel like Aaron Rodgers, like so many other debates, began to symbolize more than just Aaron Rodgers. In other words, I would have these debates with Max Kellerman, and he would talk about most talented quarterback of his lifetime. Now, Max and I's disagreements ran deep, okay? I mean, cross-topic pollination of disagreements. But I've always been a guy who loved Tom Brady, whereas you could say his natural talents compared to his his fellow pros, was less, but he was more of a self-made man in terms of football accomplishments, where Aaron Rodgers had all this talent, but yet it added up to way less with him. I just didn't like that character as much as I liked the character of, of, of Tom Brady. That being said, Aaron Rodgers is super talented. He's also moody. He's a personality conflict waiting to happen. I think history has proven that out. So with Rodgers, you know, in order to get to the place where you're kind of Team Rogers versus Team Packers, you just have to value talent so far above everything else that you forgive personality conflicts. You forgive a lack of accomplishments compared to what he can do. You forgive him going off script and sort of being a little, not totally, but a little uncoachable in that way. I don't forgive those things in the same way. So I talked about this with Shannon Spake in the first hour of the program today, and I said, when you look at athletes – Guys like Aaron Rodgers, who have never been married, have no kids. We know because it went public during The Bachelor and other aspects with his brothers and his family, has relatively limited 
relationships of a deep nature with his family based on all the history out there right now. Guys like that don't really exist very much in sports or otherwise. You talked about maybe a prickly personality. How does that factor in here in terms of what Aaron Rodgers might be willing to do in this dispute with the Packers? In other words, how much of it is personal versus professional? I would think a lot. The guy yeah. you just described is one that would hold a grudge personally, right? Who yes. who gets his feelings hurt, to be real, um, and would want to want to act upon those feelings. I, I, you, in other words, this, none of this is surprising. It's somewhat to be expected. We thought it was a Mike McCarthy problem. Clearly, it wasn't a Mike McCarthy problem. It's an Aaron Rodgers problem. New coaching staff, new GM over the last several years. This is something that follows him around. And people have made that joke, and I don't remember if it's a Sarah Silverman joke or, or whoever it might be, but if you keep having bad roommates over and over maybe you're the bad roommate right it it is interesting too because I don't know if you have single guy friends who are approaching 40 years old and have never been married but at some point the world becomes so wrapped up in you that you can't see the larger universe and we're in since we've talked off the air you've got kids that are playing little league sports or whatever it is and uh and Mm -hmm. you've got events that you have to make it to and a huge percentage i would say of our audience either has kids or grandkids that they're regularly chasing around shepherding around in other words like we might have jobs that matter in some sense of the word but really like in my household i'm the least important person in my house right and like and i think that helps to i always say you can have serious opinions but not take yourself that seriously and i remember ray allen had a great line once uh after i think it was game six when he hit the three to force a game seven uh uh, for the heat back in the day and they were like hey how are you going to celebrate and he said i don't know my wife's still going to make me take the garbage out and that was just such a great line because you know you think of guys up on a pedestal and at times bringing them back into the real world can be important and look Aaron Rodgers supremely talented there's no doubt about that but I question how much of a real world life he has when it's just him and he seems to not have a ton of people with deep connections in his life does that make sense yeah, it does. I'd say two things in response. Um, I like what you said. I like one thing. Um, take what you say seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. I've always yeah. tried to live by that. And, and again, you know, your and my relationship is interesting because we've only really talked off there a handful of times, but I noticed this from you about you from afar. Um, you, you, I think you live by that same credo. Like, like I'm, what I'm saying, I believe and I take very seriously, but for you to make fun of me or tell me I'm wrong or whatever, I don't take that that seriously. I can laugh yes, at myself. 100%. I think that's very I think that's very key. It's a charming thing. It's an attractive thing, meaning people want to be around people like that. Don't take yourself so seriously. Guys, and I don't have many at this point who have stayed single this long. It's a choice. Um, done, There's something going they, on there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they've tailored their life to their ideal vision. You know what I mean? Like they have the house the way they want it. They have their social life the way they want it. They, they, they make the bed the way they want it. Everything is them-driven because there's no one else to interfere with it. So imagine that in a locker room, yes. especially, by the way, they're the best. You, there's no doubt Aaron Rodgers is the best in that locker room, one of the best in the league. It's pretty hard to start going, you know what? What you have to say, offensive coordinator, you head coach, you wide receiver, you offensive lineman, what you have to say, it's really important. Perhaps I should compromise my tailored life, my tailored expectation to what you have to say. That's hard. 
Yeah, and and I think you you raised a good point about the locker room perspective where there's always that disconnect between, hey, team success and individual success. And oftentimes in football in particular, they can be very tied together because no matter how good of a football player you are, it's a challenge to be one of 11 guys, even if you have an incredible job, do an incredible job. And Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure, would acknowledge this. If his offensive line has a bad game, he's getting the crap beat out of him. It doesn't matter in the larger context. And even on his offensive side of the ball, if the DBs, which was the case against uh, Tampa Bay, couldn't make plays uh, on balls in the air against Tom Brady, like they basically took away the opportunity for him to uh, to, to be able to, uh, to succeed there. So that's the Aaron Rodgers story. By the way, I think he's going to Denver. Do you think he stays in Green Bay? Sort of reading the tea leaves, how would you project this story ends? Well, certainly not more than one year. And I think, you know, I don't know what Vegas is saying. I don't know if you've got that pulled up, but um, Denver seems like the likely outcome, and sooner seems like more likely than later. That's definitely, I mean, the graphic Jordan Love, they're ready for this. The Packers are ready for this. We can talk about the Aaron Rodgers side, but also, regardless of which side you're coming down on, the Packers made an epic miscalculation on how many good years of football Aaron Rodgers had left when they drafted Jordan Love. And maybe those things are intertwined, and he's such a grudge guy that he performed at such an incredible level, partly because of the choice they made in the first round. That's certainly an argument you could make. But the idea that Aaron Rodgers only had a couple of years left, I think, has been thrown out the window based on his performance in 2020, and that's a pretty substantial miscalculation as it pertains to drafting Jordan Love by the Packers. Agree. Uh, all right, so that's the Aaron Rodgers story. We talked about your Dallas Cowboys. Um, in general, I talked about this on my show the other day. I'm curious if you would agree as somebody who did a sports talk radio show. If I, you told me right now I could only draft three topics – NFL is my number one topic, meaning sports topics in general. Number two topic would, for me would be college football. Number three topic for me would be the NFL draft. The NFL draft, for the first time ever, Will, outrated the Oscars. It is the second highest rated NFL draft, the one that just took place on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, that we have ever seen. What do you think about my trio of rankings there? Why in an era when it seems like so much else is being challenged in sports – do you think the draft continues to ascend? I would draft the topics in the exact same order. I'm a little bit surprised you took them in that order. Um, you know, I, I acknowledge, like, if you took all of my buddies and, and where they are in their life, they would draft college football first. They would draft I, College football is my favorite, Will. It's a good point. But I know for the audience that I have to talk to, there are yep. certain segments of the population that don't care at all about college football. You're so one, right. of, one of the things over, over five or six years as I've done this show is I have leaned more into the NFL than I would on a personal fandom basis because I got to talk to guys in New York and I got to talk to guys in, I don't know, Idaho who may love an NFL team but they don't necessarily care at all about Alabama against LSU, right? So balancing out the audience uh, from a regional perspective versus a national perspective, that's where my audience is. For my individual perfect per- perfect weekend, oh my God, it's college football. I mean, college football to me is the greatest thing that America does, but I understand that everybody out there doesn't agree with me. Professionally, professionally, by the way, and you, 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 you know, professionally, Le- LeBron belongs. You're drafting topics that resonate. He belongs in that 
I don't know. He might be out the, the, the NFL draft because he's year-round. So that's just a professional calculation, not what I enjoy talking about. Yeah. If, if you're asking me what I enjoy talking about, it's the same three you identified. Professionally, you and I both know LeBron is a ratings topic. And, and so the, the public likes talking about LeBron. Nothing else really outside of the NBA besides LeBron, but LeBron. And the NFL draft lives in people's minds for talk radio and television for about a month. That's about how long. For me, I'll be honest, I do my first mock draft. I read my first mock draft probably in November, December. (laughs) That's not true. That's not true. I've already looked at a 2022 mock draft. That's a funny, like, uh, I was talking with Furman, who gets driven insane by all the mock drafts, and he was like, I, the best thing about the NFL draft on Thursday starting is the mock drafts are done. I said, are you kidding? The first-round mock drafts for 2022 are going to come out I've already Friday. Looked. I'm you like, know, like Saturday going into the weekend. Yeah, to see exactly how everybody's going to be projecting because that train never stops chugging, and it's, it's a pretty interesting one. What do you attribute, the second part of that question that I asked, to the NFL draft surging as so many other sports and so many other American sort of television institutions in general are struggling. Why has that last year? Maybe you can say, Hey, there was nothing else on, but the past two years have been the highest rated drafts in the history. Well, I think I read it on outkick.com that the draft outrated the Oscars and in the demo beat the Oscars, which is, yeah, which is pretty pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I attribute it to the the NFL being King a, that, that, as you drafted your topics a moment ago, and you correctly pointed out, the NFL, even as compared to LeBron, which I mentioned, is absolutely 100% king. And by the way, within the NFL, if you're one to really key the audience into what goes on, quarterbacks inside the NFL are what you talk about. That's right. And the draft offers hope for every NFL franchise. It's fun. I can't explain it. Watching the draft and seeing the way it falls and breaks your way for your team is fun. And then everybody's watching where the next franchise quarterback goes. It's just, you know what, man? And nobody's getting up there. And I'm not doing this gratuitously. I believe this. Nobody's getting up there and hammering me with their nonsense politics. They're just not doing it. So it's pure entertainment for me for three days, for most people for one night. It's pure entertainment. Here's the stat, by the way. Dub just sent it to me. The most watched uh, events in sports, non-football, since hiatus last March, right? Uh, Baylor-Gonzaga, 17 million viewers. Men's college basketball, Gonzaga-UCLA, that incredibly iconic uh, Jalen Sugg shot to end that game. The Kentucky Derby that just happened on Saturday. The NFL Draft. I mean, that is pretty wild. That kind of puts it into context, right? The best thing that college basketball has to offer, the best thing probably that horse racing has to offer, offer better than anything. By the way, almost all of the others are uh, World Series games, the Masters, and the Kentucky Derby last year. None, No NBA here, but the NFL draft not just beats the Oscars, but beats the NBA Finals, the World Series, and nearly beats every other sport, the apex of their sport. So I'm going to just ramble a couple of thoughts here. I saw, again, on OutKick about college basketball beating the NBA, which blew my mind. I think that is fascinating because college basketball offers you no name recognition. You don't know any of those guys, and yet it's outrating the NBA. That's fascinating. Ten million, by the way, I'm sorry to cut you off, but for people out there who don't know, the national title game had nearly 10 million more viewers, even though it was Baylor-Gonzaga, not exactly two powerhouse, I mean small, uh, relatively speaking, religious institutions, Jesuit and Baptist, in the national title game. 
nearly 10 million more people watched the NCAA championship game than any game of the NBA finals between the Lakers and the Heat last year. That is just fascinating. So I also was blown away by you saying the Kentucky Derby rated so well. What's going on with the Derby and the draft partially as compared to the NBA is scarcity. Bottom line is you're doing something once a year, more people care than if you're doing something 82 times a year. That's just the way it is. And they know that the guys on the floor or on the track or or on the stage of the NFL draft, they know they care more. So they care more. Um, The last thing is – and, and you and I have probably discussed this in the past, but again, this is behind the curtain, behind the, the, the wall of sports media, and I think a lot of people do know this. The NBA is over-indexed because big media companies own their rights. The amount of NBA coverage you get is not reflective of the demand out there. That's just the bottom-line truth. Um, that, you know, and it's, that's reflected in the ratings. People don't care about the NBA as much as popular culture would make you believe they care about the NBA. Yeah, it is an interesting. Uh, it is an interesting idea um, to kind of think about because there is a new storyline in the NBA a lot, and I think sometimes the natural discourse on a show like you were on a lot, first take, you need a new topic every day, and the NBA is at least providing that. There's typically something that can be grabbed there, but the result is it way over indexes discussion relative to viewership. If that makes sense. Yeah, and on the opposite end of that spectrum is baseball, which yeah. generates zero discussion. That's and right. yet you just mentioned, when you were rattling off the ratings, I think you also said World Series in there above the NBA Finals, right? Crushed it, yeah. Crushed yeah. it. And and so baseball is fascinating, Will, because, and, and I've talked about this quite a bit on the show, baseball dominates the NBA in local markets. I'll give you an example, just tossing this one out. The Atlanta Braves are way more popular than the Atlanta Hawks in the uh, city of Atlanta and surrounding, you know, demo area where people are watching sports. But the NBA is far more popular in the Atlanta area than Major League Baseball would be on a national level because, as you mentioned before, everybody has a strong opinion of LeBron James. Not that many people have that strong of an opinion of Mike Trout. Now, maybe that's starting to change a little bit because there's been some great series uh, between the Padres and the Dodgers, big stars, Fernando Tatis Jr., Mookie Betts, uh, the, 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 the Trevor Bauer going back and forth with, uh, with uh, Tatis. All of that is kind of the, the sizzle that Major League Baseball has typically not had compared to the uh, NBA or certainly the NFL or college football where everybody can kind of have an opinion on a particular national game even if their local team isn't uh, isn't involved. Baseball is intensely popular regionally, not necessarily translating-wise nationally. Yeah, and the NBA, and this, this will take us full circle back to the NFL because it's the best of both worlds. The NBA is not just a national sport, but it's one where people get affiliated. They, they, they throw their fandom to individuals instead of teams, largely. Um, I don't know about you, but a guy like me, and I am an NBA fan, but, but I'm a Mavericks fan. Like, I care about the Dallas Mavericks, and I love Luka Doncic. I truly do. But if he leaves the Mavericks, my fandom of him will wane significantly. But most NBA fans follow players. They root for players, and that's why it's a national sport. And, by the way, why it's a discussion-based sport, because personalities can be discussed. The NFL takes that regional love of baseball, that personality and national player recognition and all of that, and combines both. So the NFL, you have the best of both worlds. That's right. 
That's right. That's really well said. I mean, I went away to college in Washington, D.C., and at that time, the team that is now known as the Washington football team, the Redskins dominated Washington, D.C. area, whether it's, you know, Maryland suburbs of D.C., Virginia suburbs. Everybody was all in on the Redskins. And still, you could also talk about the larger context of the NFL, but they were seeing it through the prism of the Redskins, and that's true for pretty much every single NFL market in the country. Clay, uh, you like Washington football team? Do you like that? If it's not going to be Redskins, would you rather it be Washington football team or Washington generals or whatever it's going to be? I, I would like Washington monuments. I understand that's kind of stupid, but I'm thinking <laughs> that maybe we help to protect the monuments if we at least name the football team after them. So when, inevitably, when people are like, we've got to tear down, the Jefferson Memorial because of Sally Hemings or, you know, the Lincoln Memorial has to go because of some, you know, flawed logic in Lincoln's thinking in the 1860s that defends people in the 2020s. So I think wetting the monuments to an NFL team might actually protect us. I like Washington football team, and here's why. I like Penn State's uniforms. Yeah. I like generic Almost to the over-the-top boringness. You know, like, we've been this way forever, and we're not going to USFL trick out our uniforms. This is who we are. There's something so generic about Washington football team that it becomes attractive to me. Uh, last question for you, and we're talking to Will Kane, 6 to 10 a.m. Saturday, Sunday on Fox & Friends. You can also listen to him on the Will Kane podcast, and he joins us on Wednesdays in the final hour of the program. A lot of people tweeted us about this, and I saw it. We debated whether there would be anything on Twitter that would get a draft pick a lot of attention and or negative attention. Uh, And it ended up happening for Zach Wilson on some level, although I do think that people are starting to tire of this story because I didn't see it covered in a big way on the ESPNs of the world. Now, maybe I missed it, but I think you probably also uh, would agree that it wasn't a massive story. But people went back right. through, and I don't know what they were expecting a BYU quarterback from Utah, to uh, his political opinions to be. But it would be a pretty big upset if you are a Mormon student attending BYU and you're a huge Bernie bro, right? Not to say there aren't some <laughs> of them, right? But in general, if you were telling me, hey – a BYU kid who grew up in Utah, what are his politics likely to be? I would say, yeah, he probably votes for Republicans. And so that appears to be the case with Zach Wilson. They tried to go through and look and say, hey, look, this guy was supporting uh, Donald Trump in 2020, uh, and now he's going to New York, and they tried to turn it into a story. So that blipped up, blew up a little bit, didn't turn into a major you know, leading discussion point, but there was at least one story associated with the draft pick. I saw people tweet you and I about that as well. I think if we want to look at some little ray of hope in society today, it's that that story did not take off. There's always yeah. going to be some cretinous sports writer out there who wants to do it, but the fact that it didn't take off is a little ray of hope. Quick plug here, man. Last time you and I talked, we talked about how LeBron is so divisive in this country. In the latest Will Kane podcast, I just want to tell you something. I think you'll find this fascinating. One man, one man in this country is responsible for the lies that have produced death and destruction in our streets. One man made the country believe that hands up, don't shoot was a thing, said Jacob Blake was unarmed, said Makia Bryant was unarmed, said that Dante Wright was killed intentionally. One man gets there first, tells the lies, and then they chant it in the streets as buildings are burned. That man is Ben Crump, and I'll tell you all about it in the latest Will Kane podcast. Oh, that's a fascinating tease. Good stuff, as always, my man. Look forward to next week. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. 
Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.